This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by This Is Not Church podcast and the letter F. And you. (laughs) (laughs) If you've made it this far, my name is Nat Turney, my brother John Turney, and I co-host This Is Not Church, the podcast. And this is sadly the level of discourse that you can expect to find if you tune in every Monday when we drop new episodes. But all joking aside, John and I see this as a, as an opportunity for us to address issues that we don't think are addressed nearly enough inside of evangelicalism. So LGBTQIA plus issues, BIPOC issues, social justice issues. We like to talk to a broad variety and range of people and really try to find places of commonality for everybody. So check out the podcast. Every Monday, our episodes drop. Wherever you stream podcasts, you can find us. Remember, this is not church. And to that, John says, Peace. If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Welcome back to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Boys and girls, everybody out there listening in podcast land, uh, we have another exciting episode for you in the What If series. But before we jump into that, uh, let's do some quick introductions. My name is Keith Giles. I am one of your many co-hosts. I am the author of the seven-part Jesus Un series on deconstructing and reconstructing your faith and the recently released Sola Mysterium, celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything. And I am joined by my amazing co-hosts. Uh, December, Katie, Shonda, and sometimes Matt. Say hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Wrong bit. That fell flat. (laughs) Wah, wah. (laughs) Hi, Hi, everyone. Hi, Katie. Thank you. Hi, Katie. (laughs) If if you're a first-time listener, that will make sense in about 10 minutes. My name is... (laughs) Katie Valentine. I am the founder of the Metaphysical Christian Facebook community. I'm the author of Sex, Slavery, Self-Control, and uh, I'm excited to ponder what if with everyone. What's up, Heretic Happy Hour family? This is December Rose, author of The Church Can Go to Hell and Other Things Similarly Situated. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. We got some what if things going on. If you didn't catch the aliens, if you didn't catch What If Jesus Were a Woman, you do want to catch it today, possibly. I hope you're tuning in and enjoying the show. My name is Shonda Ja, and I am an anti-oppression consultant. So one of my questions is, what if oppression had never existed? Maybe we can do that in the next episode. Hmm. Oh, are you teasing it out? That's good. Ah, I like I'm making that. it up. I like, but I like why that. Not? Making it up as we go along. That's that's the nature of the show. That's what we do. That's our and I, I am sometimes Matt again here for another uh, episode of What If? What If on the Heretic Happy Hour? And I'm, I'm liking this series. This has been a fun transition from our previous uh, series, which was a little heavy. This has been this has been heady, but not as heavy. Uh, but before we get into our wonderful show today, we have some stoned thoughts. Do you ever think that we're all just a bunch of video game characters like the real us? is sitting there playing this us and this us that we see in the world is just like an avatar. It's not that we're not real. It's just that the real us is working us with controls and that when we die, it's kind of like the matrix. We just 
get unplugged. And then they're like, oh shit, that seems so real. <laughs> but in reality, it's just kind of like a dream state. This feels very red pill propaganda to me. Yeah. My favorite thing about the whole thing is Katie can never keep it together. Yeah. <laughs> the great thing about this is that for those of us who don't smoke uh, pie or marijuana, that we... We get the virtually sort of like, you know, vicariously experience <laughs> what it's like, you know, when you're in this kind of like kind of mellow state, uh, how your brain just kind of floats off and imagines mm-hmm. strange things. Keith, yeah. I'm not convinced you need pot in order to do that. I don't either. I think I'm I'm perpetually in that yes. state. <laughs> I think Matt's, Matt's blunts be laced with stuff sometimes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he sprinkled some coke in there. Some yeah, well, that's TV. true. No, I'm way too mellow. Crushed for up that. some meth and sprinkled that on there. So, no. He'd be on a trip on top of a trip. I don't go days without sleeping. Sorry. <laughs> oh man, what if it's all a video game? Yeah. Well, you know, some scientists are saying that, right? That they're they've been looking at reality and stuff, and uh, saying that. Reality seems to behave in some very strange ways, almost as if it were a simulation. So, I, I mean, a simulation video game, not sure, it's sort of the same thing. But, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? It could be true. Maybe, Matt maybe knows. this is a big video game. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, What character would you be? And I'm like, I'm lost. Oh, right. I don't play video games. I don't even know. Uh, I'd be like the, the queen at the end of Mario Brothers or something. Just oh, waiting. good job. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well referenced. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> the few times I've done played VR, I was so terrible at it. So if if there's a version of me that's my VR alter ego or like the higher the higher form of Katie controlling me, that explains mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> in yeah. the universe about like why I've done certain things and gone certain directions. It's not because I make bad choices. It's because there's you know. Uh, I'm just really bad at the VR version of myself. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I really like this concept. This uh, gives you an out clause. Yeah, it gives me a total out clause, right? Which actually, I uh, love my life. So no, no, no complaints about any VR reality. <laughs> just saying some questionable choices. That's what I'm going with from now on. Mm-hmm. I got to say, the thing that alarms me about it is I am not a predestinarian. I am not, I'm not a fan of anybody else controlling my actions. Um, And so there's a tiny part of me that's like, ooh, I do not like the idea that someone else is dictating my, uh, my behavior. So what if it's you though, Shonda? What if it's Even if it's me. Well, does that work? So you're still making the choices. I don't know, man. (laughs) Do you all watch Black Mirror? Oh yeah, I love Ooh, that. Oh yes, of course. Okay, I think that I think that no. Oh, well, that, yeah. I mean, I watched them all, but I think the most stressed out I've ever been was the hour I watched the USS Callisto. Oh, I love virtu- that one. Oh, it's a great episode. But there's virtual awesome. copies of yes. the crew members who become actual crew of the virtual spaceship. Oh, that's and, a great episode. That's probably one of the yeah, best. Yeah, and the the guy that's um, Jesse Plemons from. You know, Friday Night Lights um, and other things is the evil starship captain. And it was so stressful because he's literally controlling all of their actions and they have to figure out how to break out of this VR reality. So, Matt, this what if question oh, is stressful. Is... Like these are like really bad things can happen if someone gets that is very control over you. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, no one ever said that like every every trip is comfortable. Like I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm not saying the stone thoughts are comfortable thoughts. They're they're sometimes very uncomfortable thoughts. <laughs> When I was in high school, I remember having a deep conversation with somebody else in my youth group about what if we are all just the product of some very evolved mushrooms dreams. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there. that's, yeah. There's something called the stoned ape theory as well. Have you heard that? Oh, uh, it's probably parallel. I don't know why we thought mushrooms were more likely to have a, you know, an evolved sentient self. Well, I, I, th- I thought it was have just because they- they create this uh, psychotropic kind of experience, right? I'm not sure in high school we knew that. I mean, I was that kind of square. Uh, Mm. Oh, freshman Mm. in high school, to be fair. I mean, okay. Yeah. I recognize plenty of my friends would still think it was ridiculous. I didn't know that as a freshman. I'm just saying. I think you need deliverance, Matt. You are leading us down the path of destruction. (laughs) Well, I hear, I hear that we have a Patreon (laughs) tier that includes like, Remission of sins. That's for right. All yes, involved. we will forgive all of your sins. On yeah, if you, so maybe you, I have to sign up for the Heretic Happy Hour <laughs> Patreon. That's right. Sign up for the, that special tier, and all of your sins will be absolved. Matt Matt's virtual self remains very orthodox and will grant indulgences. <laughs> yes, of course. to all of us <laughs> down here. We are not above. We are not above granting indulgences. Yeah. That's right. Cool. I could be bought off for a price, you know. Now, now that we've recovered, uh, recovered ourselves from our magic mushroom trip here and uh, figured out the virtual virtual reality question, I think it's time we turn to a wonderful non-stone heretic. Uh, this heretic is going to blow you away. Has a new book out. You're going to love uh, meeting our heretic of the week. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, my name's Dan Henderson, and I am a happy heretic. Hi, Hi, Dan. Dan. I love that you're a proud and happy heretic. That's awesome, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thanks for owning it. I think that's so great. Um, so, Dan, uh, welcome to uh, the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. So excited to have you as a Heretic of the Week. We always kick things off um, following that introduction that you made uh, to ask you that question. Um, why? would somebody want to call you a heretic? What are the things that would make someone listen to you or, or talk to you and say, that guy's a heretic? Just so you know, I've been called worse things. <laughs> so heretic is probably one of the least offensive things I've been called. <laughs> but uh, if somebody were to pick up my book and read it, the, the name of my book, by the way, is Confessions of a Recovering Evangelical, just came out. Uh-huh. Uh, and if you read the book, you would find uh, certain key ideas in it that that would that would certainly set me apart as a heretic. One being probably the most important one being, uh, you know, I, I don't see the Bible anymore as the, quote, inerrant word of God, uh-huh. uh, partly because it's not inerrant. Uh, and that it, seems it's obvious, very straightforward. It? it seems yeah, obvious. Uh, it's not inerrant, yeah. no, so not. Uh, you, you can't really use that term. And I don't think God dictated it to anyone. I think it's mm-hmm. a human, a very important human book. Mm-hmm. And I still read it and find inspiration from it. And I learn history from it. Lots of things that I can learn from the Bible, but I would never use it in a way that traditional evangelicals might, which would be as, you know, authoritative word of God for all life and, you know, tell people how to live with it. 
That's yeah. one of them. Uh, I guess the other idea is that uh, one of the things I, I did in my or deconstruction of my faith was to separate faith from beliefs. Uh, most uh, evangelicals see their faith as a set of beliefs. Here's my doctrinal statement. Here's the creed. Here's, you know, whatever it is that you believe. And that becomes the sum total of, quote, the faith. Mm -hmm. Well, once I rejected that, and it was a very important uh, thing to re for me to reject, I began to redefine faith as connections, connections to people, connections to the whole universe. And so for me, it's about being, it's about being human, it's about being the best human I can be, uh, and being connected. And in that sense, there's no, there's no dichotomy, there's no us versus them, there's no, yeah. you know nobody to hate <laughs> you're connected <laughs> to everybody you know yeah. and everything so those are a couple of the ideas but you'll find others i'm sure if you read the book there's plenty of heretic ideas in within it i'm super curious about the title recovering so i'm wondering if you can tell us where did you start when you were unrecovered when you when you didn't even know that that, that, that existed you know where what's your background where are you coming from and how did you get to this place where you're you identify now as a recovering evangelical? Well, it's it's actually a pre, pretty long story, and I'll I'll, I'll kind of summarize it the best I can. But uh, I actually became a quote Christian, converted as a Christian as a young kid. I was at a, a Billy Graham crusade in Omaha, Nebraska, in 1964. I went forward, became a Christian, became baptized in my church, and for the next 40 years, I was. I would have considered myself an evangelical. I went to Bible college, went to seminary. I taught in Christian schools. I taught history. I taught religion. Uh, and everything was just kind of going along happily until a couple things happened that really gave me pause. First one was in 1980, as I was on a teaching faculty, someone mentioned to me that if I didn't vote for Ronald Reagan, I really was not a Christian in good standing anymore. Uh, that gave me great pause because when I became a Christian as a young person, I, I, hang, I was hanging around with, you know, hippie types that were called Jesus people. Yeah. And Jesus people were, were, were nothing uh, like conservative right-wing Christians today, nothing like that. In fact, we didn't even think about politics all that much. They were not on Wall maybe, Street. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we might have protested the war, or we might have been, you know, for civil rights and, and protesting that way, but we never really thought about politics as a us versus them sort of thing. So, you know, from 1980 on, I began to see that evangelical movement was moving very much kind of a fast track toward becoming just another block within the Republican Party. And today, I think you see that that's exactly where it, it has landed. Yeah, I was going to say, how, how do you think that worked out? Where did it, where did it end up? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, exactly yeah, where you exactly. thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 81% of them voted for Donald Trump. Uh -huh. uh, they, a lot of them were involved in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. So, I yeah. mean, it, it, it really has gone off the rails. I saw it happening sooner, and it really concerned me. But the other event in my life was a divorce. I was in a Christian ministry, and, and if you're a leader in a Christian ministry, divorce is not a good thing to have happen to you. This was yeah. in the 90s, 90, early 90s. 
And I remember I had a parent of one of the students in the school, this was a Christian school, come into my office and tell me, you know, I, I understand you're getting divorced. You really should resign. You're no longer capable of being a good role model. Yeah, I thought, well, I'm sorry, buddy, but that's not what God's telling me. And, 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 <laughs> but it, it, it was, so the combination of those things were kind of a wake up call that it, it did cause me to go into a very long period of reflection about what faith is, mm -hmm. you know, everything was kind of crumbly. So, you know, uh, and I wasn't happy with where evangelical Christianity was going. So I just really began to search. And so from the late 90s into the 2000s, by 2005, it finally dawned on me that that I had reconstructed my faith enough that, and I was in a conservative church at the time, but I realized, hey, I'm not a, I'm not an evangelical anymore. And I really don't want to sit here. Yeah. And I, and so I left the church. I wasn't mad at anybody. I, it was more about, I didn't want to pretend and lie to anybody anymore and pretend to be an evangelical so I left mm -hmm. and was it like in the middle of a sermon I have this vision of you standing <laughs> up in the middle like having a realization in the middle of the sermon and just leaving yeah <laughs> it, it it actually was uh an incident we our pastor had gone on a sabbatical and the the elders of the church were going around asking certain laymen to to preach get up and, you know, successive Sundays, and they, and they knew I had been a teacher, I, you know, can talk in front of people, I'm not too scared of that, but, so they came to me and said, hey, Dan, next Sunday, would you, would you uh, get up and share what's on your heart, you know, that's always the thing, share what God's put on your heart, mm -hmm. and I realized at that moment, if I did that, they would probably kick me out, first of all, because it would not fit with the doctrinal statement. Uh, and, it, and it's sort of, I kind of panicked about it uh, and said, you know what, I, I don't think I can do that. And I actually left. I never came back because wow. I just knew what they were expecting. And I couldn't deliver that for them. So, you know, it was fine. I just uh, never went back. Yeah, that that's a, that's a gracious way to go. Because like uh, in my imagination, I, I'm thinking, but how epic would it have been? If you did, like, I am going to leave, but before I leave, I'm going to stand up on Sunday. I'm going to, I'm going to just lay it out for them. You want to know what's on my heart. Here's what's on my heart and goodbye. <laughs> because like, you would know, like, uh, this is it. Uh, I'm going to shake your hand at the door and, 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 but I'm the one leaving. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in hindsight, that would have been a good thing to do. But I think what I ended up doing was writing about it. There you go. And I, so after that, after 2005, I really began writing about my my experience my journey and the changes that I was making started a blog uh, started talking to people on Facebook many people were just really surprised and shocked and you know said, oh I can't believe you're not an evangelical so eventually all those writings kind of came together and I, I uh, put it together and said you know this is kind of a there's a story here that I think other people might be interested in and maybe it will aid others who are uh, going through a similar journey so i put it together and we got it published and and i couldn't be more pleased to have it out there for people to read i've gotten great feedback from people uh, who have been um you know comforted by by the by my story so it's great i also want to note 
the length of time between these different events that you described, I mean, from 1980 to 1994 to 2004, that's a a long time. And I, I really appreciate that because I think a lot of people feel pressured to, they have one experience in a church, good or bad, actually, in a, in a evangelical church or in a progressive church. And they think, well, I need to make a choice right now. I need to, I, I need to know everything I need to know right now to make a decision. But that's not always true. There can be a long, slow journey. And in some ways, I really appreciate that you left in a place not of feeling angry. You had already done a lot of your processing and it feels like a very gentle and supportive, supportive way. And everyone's way is different. We don't always get to choose but that long stretch yeah. of time feels um, important. Yeah, and it was for me because it, it it wasn't traumatic. I wouldn't call it traumatic uh, for me to have made that change. It, it felt very natural, actually, for me to do that. Uh, and everybody will go through their, their, their experience differently. Some people have trauma within the church and they, got, they need to get out. I mean, it's gotta happen like, right now. Uh, that just wasn't the way it was for me. Mine was much more reflective and thoughtful. And and hopefully, uh, I, I built a foundation for, okay, well, if I'm not going to be an evangelical, what am I going to, what will I believe now? And what will I, how will I process spirituality? And it's really, for me, about spirituality. Uh, I've given up on religion pretty much. It's it's I, I just don't see a lot of value, uh, at least for me personally, in religion. But spirituality is very, very important to me. So I'm curious. So, you know, you talked about you you made that realization that, hey, um, you look around the room and you think, you know what? I don't think I fit here. I don't think this is who my tribe. Right. This is not who I am. Um, and so you walked away from that and you did it without fanfare. And you did it, you know, in a, in a quiet way, just like, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna uh, quiet quit this church. So I'm curious, though, where did you land? I mean, did you find a home spiritually? Did or what are you doing now? I mean, was that a process for you as well? Yeah, I mean, even after I left that church, I, I attended a few others, uh, probably more mainstream or main mainline churches or. Now, just, you know, it, it had been 40 years <laughs> for me going to church. I mean, I grew up going to church. I tell the story. My, I grew up in a single-parent home with my mother and two brothers, and and my mother never drove a car until she was in her late 30s, maybe. I was already almost grown up, but she would pack us off to church every Sunday, and we'd either get on a bus or we'd get a taxi or, you know, somehow she got us to church. So, you know, going to church was like part of my life. It was just big part of my life for 40 years. And then making that decision, I still, you know, felt, well, I'm going to try out this Methodist church over, or some other church over there. And it was okay. It was better. But I I still found that the, the strictures or the, the structure of religious belief just didn't quite do it for me. It wasn't what I was looking for. So I probably have spent more time reaching out to people through online communities uh, who have similar experiences, reading. I'm a voracious reader, so I read lots and lots of material. I make reference to a lot of it in my book, some of the authors that were really influential, like Thomas Merton is just Mm. a fantastic one. And uh, Bishop Shelby Spong was another. Frank Schaefer is another. There's so many 
yeah. people. And I've actually reached out to some of those people and they've yeah. responded very kindly and uh, encouragingly. So, yeah, it's it's a different uh, it's a different group, different tribe, if you will. And and uh, it's but it's but I'll tell you. I'm probably happier now. That's why I call myself a happy heretic. I, I'm happier now than I think I was any time in that 40 years of trying to fit into a theological box yes. that that was flimsy, <laughs> didn't walls would you know bend and crack and break. Uh, it just didn't feel very comfortable. You mentioned that spirituality is important for you now. What does that look like on an everyday level? Like, does that mean practices? Does it mean exploring um, other belief systems? Or, you know, you said more about connection and human connections. Like, what does this look like on a daily basis for you? Well, I'll tell you that, uh, yeah, it's about human connections. Uh, and in that regard, um, there's nobody that, you know, I can't reach out to and begin to try to um, uh, engage and connect with, understand, listen to them. Uh, and, and I'll tell you the way it probably has played out the most is in the area of social justice activism. So I'm very involved in our community here in social justice issues, reaching out to uh, across racial lines, ethnic lines, uh, trying to establish those kinds of connections. That's, to me, it's just been, that's been fun actually to do yeah. uh, because that's not something that, within an evangelical framework is 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 part of that practice if you will it, in fact within evangelicalism there's there's a very very strong strain of of white supremacy it goes back a long time in my history background I, i've studied that but so for me spirituality is when i can connect with someone in a way that causes both of us to go forward and grow <laughs> And so I try to do that uh, on a daily basis. And then there are just, there are practices. Meditation is a great one. It isn't about praying so much. And I don't mind, people often tell me, hey, can I pray for you? I said, sure, whatever you wanna do, I don't mind. Uh, but for me, prayer is much more about listening to, yeah. to God within my own heart. And, and uh, but not at necessarily it's not a thing where you ask for favors and you know try to try to get <laughs> on God's good side you know oh, the slot machine God you know yes yeah, yeah. Order, ask make a request yeah Santa Claus yes yeah <laughs> yeah I, I've got a chapter in a book about a, I wrote about a friend of mine who, who died uh, right out not long after we graduated from high school we were friends and and he died of cancer he had a wife and two kids I was his best man and. And it was a, it's a sad story because when I went to visit him in his, in the hospital, in his bed, he was dying and he looked at me, he said, Dan, I guess I just don't have enough faith because I'm not getting well. <sighs> and the reason he said that is because somebody came to him and said, I am claiming your healing, but you've yeah. got to have enough faith to believe it. Oh, gosh. Well, why do you say <laughs> that's a horrible thing to say to a dying man? Right. Uh, Let me just lay this. Hey, you're dying. Let's lay uh, some guilt on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that experience, talk about, uh, Katie, you're talking about experiences. That was another one. I mean, that re that one really set me back. If if this is what evangelicals want to do, I, I don't want any part of it because I saw my friend die feeling guilty. Yeah. 
And uh, so it was horrible. The I, I love your reframing of what prayer is. And it's interesting because sometimes on my social media, I'll get people that, you know, tell me I'm leading people to hell. And I, mean, I get that all the time. And I'll, usually I just cut this off. I don't really engage. I'll say, you know, it doesn't sound like we agree. How, if I agree to pray for you, will you agree to pray for me? And let's just leave it at that. And sometimes people will say, no, do not pray for me. I do not want your prayers (laughs) to God. And then I'll say, actually, you don't get to dictate how I pray, (laughs) how I pray or who I pray for that. That's actually not part of the deal. That was more just me being, trying to be gracious. Um, But but that idea, like like they don't want to, they don't want a heretic to pray for them. I think not. Right. Yeah, yeah. I might do yeah. damage to them or something. But but that idea of prayer of being in the presence of and, uh-huh. and being an active yeah. deep listening. I'm, I I think I've uttered very few words in prayer in the past yeah. 10 years. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's about words. In fact, I don't think you can define. There are so many things. It kind of goes back to something that I wrote about that, you know, faith and belief in God is just something I can't define. It, it's undefinable. It's unknowable. Yeah. And so for me, faith is coming face to face with the reality that I can't really know what God is or who God is, but it's a mystery, but I can connect with it anyway. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to define it. I don't need the definition. Evangelicals want to define it and then make everybody else accept that definition. That's right. I don't need a definition. I just need to connect. That's right. and, And I'm happy with that. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm happier now than, than I, I was in the 40 years I was an evangelical, I think. That's beautiful. Yeah, I made a similar shift uh, that it's funny because you said, you know, we, we we don't know, we can't know this God. And for me, it's been a shift of like, it just depends on what you mean by no. So, so you know, growing up out like you in evangelical circles, anytime they talked about knowing God, it was always doctrines and beliefs and, uh, and, and, and information, right? Having intellectual knowledge. And that's how faith was defined really by, do you believe the right things? Right. I think that's what you're saying. Um, but, but in my experience, I'm very much like you have shifted away now where I would say, I don't know. And like you said, I don't think I could know that God in the sense of, I understand completely intellectually, but I do think you can know God in the sense of the experience, right? Like you were saying, the connection. So it's just like, it depends on what you mean when you say no. Do I know God? Yes. <laughs> but I know God in a, in a more, I mean, to go take it to the Greek, right? There's sort of two main words, right? There's um, episteme, which is that informational knowledge knowing. And, and that part I've moved away from. I don't think that's even possible. But that gnosko, right? The gnosis, the experience of God. Oh, absolutely. And that's that connection piece. But it's the kind of thing where can I explain it or define it? No, but I can experience it, right? Yeah, that and 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 I also can uh, understand the effects of it. So yeah. I can experience it, but I also feel the effect of it, meaning yeah. I may not even realize it at the at, in a given moment that I'm experiencing God or something spiritual, but it affects me in a way that's positive and, and it, it, it gives me hope. It gives me joy. It gives me, you know, and, and it could be small things. It's just small things. Sometimes, you know, I holding my, my new granddaughter, uh, she's two years old coming up here. And I mean, that was joy. That was to me, that was a connection uh, with God. Like I had never experienced. Right. So is, 
I can't explain or define that, but to me, I feel the effect of it very strongly. Well, okay. I'm curious, what are your recommendations for other people who are recovering? Well, it's so individual. It's so hard. I mean, um, uh, in terms of trying to generalize what that's supposed to look like, but I think, I think probably the biggest thing I would say is, is really cons consider what you think faith is really wrestle with that. You know, the, the whole realm of spirituality is about mystery and it's about yeah. struggle. Mm -hmm. You see, if I just accept church's doctrines, I don't have to struggle. I don't have to wrestle with anything. I just accept it and, you know, becomes <laughs> an intellectual ascent, you know, yeah. but I, I think you've got to struggle with, with in yourself, what is faith? What is God? What, what, what is that really about? And look to yourself. The, the other problem that the church kind of puts us in, in this box is you can't trust yourself. You are no good. You're a sinner. You have to trust God. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah. And and I think the biggest realization was that, hey, you know what? I'm not a sinner. I I can trust myself. Yes. And I have that spark of divine and spirit within me. And I can connect with that. And I'm I'm okay. I don't need the church's doctrine to do that. Yeah. So I would say continue the struggle, but then also reach out, find some people. Uh, there are so many now, and and uh, podcasts like this, and and other groups out there that uh, you can connect with online. That uh, people that will encourage you. They really have been. I know on a lot of the groups I'm I'm in online, they're so encouraging. They just accept people wherever they are in their journey, and and it doesn't matter. It's so non-judgmental, and uh, that's important. So they're going to need support. <laughs> Uh, but it's a connection and you make that connection and it's going to, it's going to move you forward, you know? Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, I love it. I think that's beautiful. Well, Dan, this has been great. So uh, for people that are listening to you and this conversation, uh, if they want to know more about you and they want to remind them about the book and where to, where to find that, um, by the way, choir published uh, that book and very proudly. So very, very proud to have, uh, you as part of the choir family, and this book is something we're very excited to share with people. So, yeah, where can they find the what? What? Yeah, that was the cheer. Um, oh, <laughs> um, so where can people find out more about you and the book and anything else you got going on? Well, I tell you what, they can they can go to Amazon. My book is on Amazon, uh, and I have an author page there that they can um, click into to find out more. Got a little biography in there if they want. And, uh, I'm on Facebook, so Dan Dan Henderson in Iowa. You probably want, there's a lot of Dan Hendersons out there, so <laughs> if you want to put in Dan Henderson Iowa, you'll probably find me. Yeah, uh, I'm the old guy with gray hair, gray beard, and gray beard and glasses. I look a lot like Keith, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> you're a good-looking man. <laughs> oh well, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. But uh, I really would love to hear from people and. And uh, there are several reviews on the book out there already. They're just, they've been coming in. They're really positive and mm -hmm. people are enjoying it. And so I'd love to connect with people and have conversations. So please reach out. That sounds great. Well, Dan, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And it really has been great. And I do thank Choir Publishing for 
helping me with this. Keith, you were great. And Matt, I can't believe how much Matt put up with on my my project. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was a good, he was a good sport uh, well, helping me with that. So he's uh, not here. So can we talk some shit about him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we, like no, <laughs> no, Matt, you, Matt's you producer and editor extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. Oh, that was great. Dan, thank you so much for being our Heretic of the Week. Uh, congrats Woo! on your new book. Um, and I see it's doing very, very well. And uh, yeah, this is a really great conversation. Great guy. Yeah, I know super, a lot of people can relate. Yeah, yeah, super nice. Um, super, yeah, a super fun Heretic to interview. And um, before we jump into our topic, I just wanted to real quick remind everybody, um, we have something brand new called the Choir Cast Podcast Network. And uh, what we managed to do was, in addition to Heretic Happy Hour, um, we have found, believe it or not, um, four other podcasts willing to associate with us and join in this little network that we we created. And um, that would be the, the Messy Spirituality Podcast. This is not church podcast. Ideas Digest from over there in Australia, down under. Uh, and of course, everybody's favorite podcast, other than this one, Apostates Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks so much. Anyway, so yeah, go check them out. We're, we'll drop the links uh, to each of those podcasts uh, in our show notes once we figure out how to do that. And uh, <laughs> please go over and listen to and follow and subscribe um, all of the podcasts in the Quarkast Network. We're looking to add a few more down the road. Um, so yeah, we're getting bigger and stronger. Look out. Here we come. So definitely sign up for those. But before you start listening to them, stick around because today's topic now, December already mentioned, we've done what if aliens are real, we've done what if Jesus were a woman, and today's topic is what if Jesus hadn't been born? There is so much drama to this topic. What do y'all think? Yeah, this is a, I, this is a crazy topic. I did, I did not anticipate this one when we first talked about the series, but... Uh, really fascinating right it really makes you think it's almost like that it's a wonderful life thing right oh that's a good analogy right well let's 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 think about how the world would be different how different would the world be if jesus had never been born so yeah there's a lot to go a lot lot of different directions to go here i will uh i'll let you guys somebody somebody help us take the lead here what where, where do we begin in trying to think about this question, what if Jesus had never been born? Maybe Simon so Magus. <laughs> oh, Simon, Maybe Simon oh, there you Magus go. would have been really popular and wouldn't have had competition. Yeah. We wouldn't be Jesus oh. followers. We'd be Simon followers. Okay. So here, oh, what I, he believe? okay. I you just know. got me in, but, 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 okay. But what about Paul, the apostle? Because like the Apostle Paul clearly had aspirations of leading some kind of a movement, right? And if there was no Jesus movement for him to sort of like jump onto and sort of become the second guy, what would he have done? So That's you think he too. was the kind of big fish, small, uh, small pond kind I of guy? So, so like he just couldn't get enough of a foothold in Judaism? Like would he have started his own little sect no matter what, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Simon Magus, yeah, what was he was... Just sort of like a... So I briefly mentioned an axe, yeah. 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 And he's also, was, you could also see, right? When they do mention him, you see that he's he's also very interested in acquiring 
you know, power and learning tricks and things that it will kind of improve his uh, popularity and influence and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, um, that's the caricature of him, you know, the how, what right, the real Simon Magus was like, apart from the, how the book of Acts portrays him, who knows? He was probably a teddy bear, really nice guy. But what y'all are raising does kind of invite that question. Would someone else have been the person who brought those kinds of messages sure. to us? Would somebody else have galvanized a community around those values? I mean, I think that's, one of the things I'm curious about. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I was thinking about how without, so a world without Jesus, so we wouldn't have the Sermon on the Mount or, you know, some of these things. So, but we do live in, so we, we, we still would live in a world where there was a Buddha and, you know, um, there was Socrates, uh, you know, there was some other Muhammad. great mystics and philosophers and thinkers and spiritual gurus and things like that but the, the sad thing is we would live in a world without a, a mother Teresa or a gandhi martin luther king i mean these were people highly influenced by jesus now it doesn't mean that they wouldn't have still done something amazing but it wouldn't have been exactly the same i want to push back just a little bit uh if we're going with the premise you know what what if jesus had not in i'm going to go a little step further which is uh, I, I, they're not the same. They're close, but they're not the same. What if Jesus was not? Because had not assumes that he was born, was not assumes that he, that he didn't exist to begin with. And those are different. But anyways, anyway, it, it, you said they may not have been the same. Or what about Mother Teresa? What about Martin Luther King? Those people had something innately good and purposeful in them to begin with. Who? How do we know that they wouldn't have attached themselves to any sure. other faith or that they just would have done those things regardless because the yeah. things that they were doing were good and humane. No, I you agree. Know, I, it's I good think, and humane yeah. to care after the orphans and the poor. It's good and humane to seek justice and equality for all people separate yeah. and apart. There's atheists who believe in those things. Sure. So who knows if, who, who knows if they wouldn't have been just as impactful minus, you know, the Christ factor. That's my thought. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Like, I, I think people like that, like you said, like Gandhi and Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, like they would have been inspired by something else and probably still would have done the ex something still really remarkable, um, whether that would have been Buddha or again, some other unnamed, because this is some alternate reality, right? So Jesus never shows up, but someone may have, and that person mm -hmm. may have been inspiring and who knows. So in some ways, this is raising the question, was there something distinct and unique about the message Jesus brought and the worldview he conveyed? And I'm wondering, y'all are making it sound like no. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean? We're, we're making it sound like, <laughs> well, I guess I am. Uh, and so here, here's where we get into the heresy part, right? Um, you don't think there was anything Gosh, darn, you meant it when you said this was the heretic happy hour. Go. Well, it's okay. So this is tough because, I mean, obviously, I love Jesus and I'm a huge Jesus fan. And, uh, you know, Jesus is my is my um, guru of choice, right? But but at the same time, I can, I do see when I've looked at other, um, you know, other people, like, golly, 400 years before Jesus, Buddha was saying some pretty similar things. So it's not like those ideas didn't, weren't floating around in the world. Um, you know, even in around the first century or in, even, in, you know, in Palestine, I mean, there was a Silk Road, Buddhist, you know, people traveled from, you know, back and forth. So 
those ideas were out there. Um, Socrates has says some things that are sound very similar to, to what things that Jesus said. He was also several hundred years before um, Jesus. And then you have people like Black Elk um, and other people who, I mean, it's sort of, in other words, so in my mind, as much as I love Jesus, and I feel like he kind of, I like the way he said it. I like the way he embodied it. And in some ways, I guess, sure, I could say, quote unquote, better than or, you know, than others. But it's not as if it's as unique as I first believed when I was a little kid in Southern Baptist Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I have thoughts on this, but I wonder if other folks do. Well, I see I see Jesus as a um, a voice in a stream. Um, within Judaism. So there were, he was not unique in the sense that other people, it's not like other people weren't talking about uh, preaching good news to the poor. They were. Um, Jesus is the loudest voice now. I think the thing to me that's truly remarkable and that's really hard to even wrap our minds around and we're so, we're the inheritors of what happened. So we don't always think about it, or at least I don't. Christianity or the Jesus movement went from being an insular Jewish Palestinian movement to being global. It became Greek within a generation. And that's crazy balls. That's basically Mm -hmm. the only reason non-Jewish people are in fact Christians today. And that's mostly due to Paul. And so in some ways, Paul is more influential than Jesus Mm -hmm. in that sense of getting the message out there to the masses in this Mm -hmm. particular way. And so, and Peter too, kind of, but Paul, like, kind of, I guess in my understanding, like Paul is the one who's like, he is like, Paul is out there. Um, Peter's kind of straddling the line, right? Starting the line between the different audiences. And so it's, is, is Jesus unique? Yeah. Yes. As a Christian, I do believe that Jesus is of course unique. Is Jesus message singular? No, but like Paul is the reason we're talking about this. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's crazy balls that this movement goes from a specific ethnic demographic to the whole known world at the time within a, not the whole known world, but like to select people within certain cities across the Roman empire within a generation. It's sort of insane. Paul actually, yeah, Paul though did suggest that the gospel had gone out to the whole world um, in his time, but again, not literally, obviously, but the world as he knew it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it is. I mean, it's from, I mean, it's across many, many miles. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of insane that, that it could happen so quickly. So I'm, I don't know if that answered your question, but there we are. Oh, I, I hope liked it. it did. Uh, no, <laughs> That's I, I my agree. position on Christ. I, I want to give, so you guys all probably know these and most of our listeners probably do, but these are the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. And all of this came before Christ uh, in the Old Testament. And then all of these principles are not a, a, the Christianity doesn't hold a monopoly on morality. I like to say that to people who, shun or look down on other faiths or religions christians and if you look especially today if you're watching the news or paying any attention to anything we are not the morality standard bearers anywhere on this planet and christians um 
don't have the monopoly on faith, morality, or anything, quote, godly. Um, I would like to say that Christ is the character of God that I have accepted as real. He is the character of God that I have accepted as real. His character and his lifestyle is the lifestyle that I have decided to pattern not all my life after because Jesus be offense over that 10%, but 90% <laughs> of my life after. But the question was, is he different or does he is he unique? I would agree with Katie in that in that the message has spread so quickly, but at the end of the day, when you strip it, strip it all the way down to the message only, no. Because love is not unique to Christianity. Morality is not unique to Christianity. Uh, not stealing from your neighbor and not murdering your, your somebody that you don't, you know, just going out here shooting somebody. That's not, uh, that's not, you know, unique to Christianity. None of that stuff is, nothing we consider moral is unique to Christianity or Christ. So I would say no. And I am the same in the same boat as Keith, whereas you could have asked me that 20 years ago and I'd have been like, it's all Jesus all the time. That's it. You're all going to hell. But since I've grown some and learned some and read some books and gotten outside the four walls of the church, my emphatic answer to that is no. There's nothing unique about Christ at all, except to those who have chosen to make him real in their lives and in their hearts. I am one of those people. So he unique, he's unique to me. He's real to me, but he's just as real to me as Buddha is to the Buddhists and as Muhammad is to the Muslims. Interesting. And that's all I had to say about that so, <laughs> for now. No, I, I love that. And what it's got me thinking about is um, how would my life be different, right? And I, I think the reason that's coming up for me is I come from, you know, so my mother's Scottish Presbyterian, like still has the accent, you know, we know what, uh, yeah, we're, we're Scottish on that side. My father's from India and he was Hindu. My father was uh, Hindu, right? And so I have 300,000 gods to choose from. Um, <laughs> and there's, and don't get me wrong, like I know many, many of the Hindus I know in India uh, take the worship of Jesus more seriously than a lot of Christians I know. Uh, but I find myself thinking about why. I am still compelled by Christianity and a lot of people will be surprised to hear me say why I am still compelled by the church. And I think for me, there's a difference between morality and ethics for me. And this is maybe not anybody else's definition. To me, morality is about how I as an individual live my life in relationship to others and in relationship to the planet. But ethics is how we collectively navigate those questions of our shared life. And there's something about Judaism that is oriented around a communitarian value system um, that I think is why Christianity speaks to me. And there wouldn't necessarily be room for me in Judaism for a whole bunch of very good reasons. So there's something about the, the way in which community is conceived of that Jesus not only spoke about, but lived. Again, not the only one to do it, but, and it's funny because, uh, Keith, based on what you and Katie, you were both saying about Paul, maybe it's not so much if Jesus hadn't lived, but if Paul hadn't lived, 
mm-hmm. or if Paul hadn't gotten connected to the Jesus movement, how different my life would be because I've dedicated my entire life to how do we be community better? And in the same ways that I think Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King and Gandhi in his own way were influenced by Jesus, it was also how do we do community better? And I I recognize how all religions have an element of that. The version of how we be community uh that Jesus spoke to and practiced is really what I ground my whole purpose for being in. Well, if I can get um, my, if I can put on my woo hat for a moment too. Yay! So I'm just thinking about what everyone <laughs> has said. Yes. Right. It looks so good effect. on you. I yes. wish everybody could see how good your woo hat looks. My woo, aura woo. just shines right yeah, now. When you put on the woo hat, we need a sound effect. So like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Producer, um, uh, producer will deliver next week. Um, sure. I'm just giving Matt more things to do with every passing well, week. Why not? Go <laughs> ahead. Uh, anyway, with my woo hat on, uh, just as I'm thinking about what everyone has said. So I agree that the message of Jesus is not particularly unique. Um, you know, as December said, as as Keith said, um, we see streams of that, you know, throughout. But the other people that have said it, I don't have a personal connection with. So I, you know, in in that sense, like Jesus, no matter what language we use, savior ascended master friend but i connect with the living spirit of christ and i don't do that with buddha i admire buddha i don't do that even with other like um beings that i explore really regularly and have connections with it's a different connection it's a different connection than the one i have with um the 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 being the energy the spirit that i identify as the christ spirit yeah I think that might have a lot to do with how we are raised and what we're come up being taught. I think yeah. that I think that if I was raised in a Buddhist household, I'd have a connection with Buddha or I'd be deconstructing from him yes. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Or yeah. if I was raised in a Muslim household, I would, you know, have a connection with that. I think it has a lot to what's introduced to us and what beyond what's introduced to us. Of course, we could connect on another level with whatever. Um, but I, I think it has a lot to do with first introductions if that's that's a thing yeah maybe but i've tried to disconnect like i tried to walk away from all of this and that yeah i mean god was like nope not that's not what i have planned yeah no we're doing this another way so billy i've I've consciously tried you know jesus i've tried to leave and jesus has been like nope 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 nope." (laughs) he keeps pulling you sticking around yeah i mean back in not 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 in that creepy you know not in that creepy evangelical way but in an authentic um this is no, I think we heard it as the Godfather, Keith and I yeah. did at least. Yeah, that's right. what I heard. Yeah. So, so I, I think um, going to what December said, um, yeah. So I, I totally, I kind of agree with both of you because I, I think Katie, I'm the same way. I, I can't make myself think about Ganesh or Vishnu the way I think about Christ, or even I can't think about Buddha or Socrates or black elk or Rumi or any of these other people that I really love what they had to say. And I, they have amazing lives and all that stuff, but not, none of them for me um, are replaced by my connection with Christ. But at the same time, I can appreciate that. This is just my perspective, but I can appreciate that somebody who was, let's say born in India, who had a, uh, who was raised to believe in Ganesh or Vishnu or somebody, um, 
I think they do have genuine spiritual connections. I think they're just as powerful as I do with Christ. And they might call it something else. And guess what? It might be Christ, uh, mm-hmm. even though they might call it something else. Or if I was, but if I was that guy over there uh, who was raised that way, and I was listening to someone like me talk about my connection with Christ, I might say, yeah, you're calling it Christ. It's really Vishnu. But in other words, I, it's it's less important what we call it. I think we're we're connecting with some spiritual energy force that's pure love and and you know uh, and all these things. And so I think we're connecting to that whatever that is, and we may connect to it through a different way and call it something or think of it or regard it as something. Um, but maybe it's all kind of the same thing, you know. I think it I absolutely know. could be. Uh, I'll give you an example of what you're talking about just now. Um, so my fiance is Muslim and, um, 20 years ago or better or any time before now in my life, I would have never entertained the idea of dating and or marrying outside of my faith because, you know, they teach you don't be unequally yoked, blah, 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 blah. Right. All that other good stuff. But I, I never felt more connected with the person. And this man is faithful. He's like, okay, I love you. I got to get off the phone. I got to go pray. <laughs> it's time to go pray. I'm like, okay, come back after prayer. Or I'll call with a good report and he'll say, Alhamdulillah. And I'll say, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, it doesn't feel weird. It feels natural to me. You know what I'm saying? And he'll say, God bless you. God bless the children. Da, da, da. And he'll say a prayer over us. And I'll say, amen. And he'll say, amen. I feel like we're praying to the same God. Mm-hmm. Now, someone could say, oh, no, their God is not our God. But I'm like, isn't Allah the Arabic word for God? I don't mm-hmm. know. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm. Allah. I'm yeah, Allah. So I, I feel like we we worship the same God in different ways. And I, I the more I, the more I grow, I'll say, the more I grow in grace, um, the more I believe that about most religions that have a foundation in community, like Shonda said, humanity, morality ethics, right living, um, serving, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. The, the more I grow in grace and the more, the closer I get, the further I get from religion and not necessarily the church, cause not all churches are bad. They get a bad rap by the biggest voices with the biggest stages. But, um, the, the further I get away from religion and the closer I get in my relationship with God, the more, the less judgmental and, um, closed minded and narrow I am concerning other people's faiths and other people's you know I think in general not everybody but I think in general Christians tend tend to be arrogant in that Mm -hmm. um where the question is what if Jesus had not been born most orthodox or fundamental or evangelical or whatever kind of adjective you want to put in front of Christians act like no other savior messiah god prophet was born but Jesus yeah, Christ. And course. that's very arrogant and condescending. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hubris to say only my God is real and only mm-hmm. his son is the only prophet. You know what I'm saying? And the yeah. further I get away from because uh, because Christianity says that, not what if you know, you said Vishnu and you named off you rambled off some yeah, what not what if they names. had not, but they did not. Y'all are all wrong. <laughs> what you need to do right. is get saved and convert to Christianity before you go to hell. Uh-huh. So they don't not asking the question, what if none of those other prophets or gods? They're saying they didn't, period. And I think that's so arrogant. And the the more, you know, the more I grow in grace and the more I grow in God, 
I'm convinced that if the foundation is the same, the God is probably the same too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's definitely true. I mean, Gandhi died. Uh, his last words were Hai Ram, right? He was, he was praying to uh, Rama uh, when he died. And no, and, and December, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Palestinian Christians, when they pray, they pray to Allah. You're a hundred percent right about that. Um, but Again, as somebody who was raised in an interfaith household, as somebody who has deep and and who who has worked in uh, multi faith spaces most of my career, uh, and has and has deep value of multiple faith traditions, they're still different. I mean, yeah. I think oh, yeah. it's uh, there. I love that we're naming. There are many good paths. There are many good ways to do faith, and all of these traditions have their shadow sides. Every single one of them, right? Yeah. Um, and ours does too. Mm-hmm. And there is something distinct uh, about the one that we follow. So definitely, even if it's not better, it contributes something different to the conversation than other traditions as well. So I just want to name that it would have been sad if Jesus hadn't been born. Some of my evangelical friends will be shocked to hear me say it. <laughs> maybe, maybe we would all be like ancient Greek gods and goddess followers. Maybe we would be uh-huh. Roman god and goddess followers. Maybe we would be Pagan. Mithra's followers because Mithra's birthday was also That's December true. 25th. Mm-hmm. You know, so like mm-hmm. maybe those of us from Euro- of European descent would be following pre-Christian European mm-hmm. um, yep. deities. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a whole other, you know, if Jesus hadn't been born, would we be, uh, would we be asking the same question? What if, you know, what if, Aphrodite had not emerged from the shell. I don't know. Well, and that, so I gotta <laughs> ask our next episode. No, but I gotta yeah. ask. Like, I think that that's interesting because what it means and what we often ignore—not not the five of us, but um, and not any of our listeners—but what a lot of Christians ignore is we're following a Middle Eastern tradition that is shaped by Middle Eastern culture. Now we try to erase that as much as possible. Oh yeah. But what mm. would it mean? Um, if we had ended up with geographic religion, I mean, in some ways we turned Christianity mm. into geographic religion, but that was our fault. Um, I think we miss out on a lot because we've done that. So I think that raises a different question, which is what would it mean if our religion was more geographically oriented? For me, that's a, a and probably for a lot of people, possibly too, Shonda, but for me, that's a humongous question because of course I'm a descendant of slaves. In the United mm. States, so what if I never? What if my people mm. were never brought here? Would I be? Mm. Would I be? Maybe I'd be Muslim. I'm. I'm my roots are Mandinka. My people come from um, from Mali. Mm-hmm. So what? What? What would we? Maybe I'd be Muslim like my future husband. Maybe mm. I believe in Winti, or Oya, or Oleron, or Shango, or any of these other African guys that I would love to go research. You know, now that I'm free from you know thinking that they, they don't exist, I, I I would love to research those things. But maybe I would uh, believe in the gods of my ancestors and not in Christ because mm-hmm. I didn't never came here, never heard of Christ. There was no colonizer that came and mm-hmm. told me that I was you know a savage and that I needed to put some clothes on and learn of Jesus Christ or whatever. It, you know what I'm saying or whatever the yeah. case. What yeah. what would my life and faith system be if I was never introduced to Europeans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big question when you talk about regional religions and things mm-hmm. like that. When you talk about the diaspora of African-Americans that have been spread out across the globe and colonized mm-hmm. wherever they wherever they existed. 
Yeah, I love that. This is such a fascinating topic. I, I think it really is interesting mm-hmm. to, because it, it, it forces you to dig down into um, not just Christianity and, you know, what the world will be like in its absence, but to look at the all of the good and beauty and wisdom and truth that is already in the world, um, w- that it would still be in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I, st- I think there's still a God. And I think that God would still have, um, you know, communicated, revealed God's self to humanity uh, through every way it already has, and and maybe many more. So who knows? I think um, it's not as if humanity would have been cut off from any access or connection with God because there was no Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's fairly fascinating to me. I, as we were talking, actually, I was I was something in the back of my mind was jogging that um, there was a uh, he technically was never called a rabbi, but he I guess sort of he was a rabbi. His name was Hillel the Elder, mm. and so I, I looked him up. I couldn't remember his name. I had to had to dig 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 while while you guys were talking. And he he's fascinating because he was he lived from one ten before Common Era to ten Common Era, so he lived a long time. Um, and he, so he was pre-Christian, mm-hmm. he was a Jewish teacher yes. and he taught things like, um, let's see, things like, uh, that which is hateful to you, do not do unto your fellow man. That is the whole of the Torah. <laughs> the rest is commentary. Yep. Now go and learn. Now somebody else later somebody, on said something very similar to that. Somebody plagiarized that. Seems that way. And then there was another <laughs> famous saying of, of hello, the elder, he said, Whoever, whosoever destroys one soul, it is as though they had destroyed the entire world. And whoever mm. saves a life, it is as though he had saved the entire world. Or do not judge your fellow man until you are in their place. Or the, I mean, all these kind of things. If you start reading yeah. through and looking, the yeah. kind of wisdom that Hillel taught about 100 years before Jesus. Um, uh, wow. Hey, very Jesus-y kind of stuff. So again, it's not as if. Yeah. There was no voice for this kind of thing, even at in the Middle East, in in Palestine, in Jerusalem, you know, at around roughly the same time frame as Jesus. So, yeah, I don't know that we would have been uh, that those same truths wouldn't have crept into uh, our cultures without Jesus. Right. So I think that's really fascinating. Yes. Or at least the concept, like uh, Katie said, Jesus is. a voice, a stream, a stream. He's one in the stream of voices. Yeah. Um, he's the voice that speaks to me the loudest. Yeah. And so he's the voice I listen to. But the thing is, um, <laughs> it's like I'm addicted to watching MSNBC, right? But I do watch other channels. <laughs> My baby girl, <laughs> Olivia, she said, she said, mommy only watches news and documentaries. She said that. <laughs> and I was like, I watch other things. Sometimes, but um, um, I I I watch that that channel faithfully because I like the way they present the news. However, I still watch CNN every once in a while. I'll flip over to see what the hell Fox News is saying, um, just because I want to see what kind of batshit crazy thing they're talking uh, about sure. at yep. the time, um, especially right now when they're melting down. I love to flip over there when they're melting down. But oh, that's you know, in, in in other words, what I'm saying is, Christ is the channel that I spend most of my time on. He's the frequency that speaks to loudest to my faith. His character uh, is the most clear to me as it concerns how to pattern my life. 
his love that he exemplified as he walked the earth, I want to aspire to. And for that reason, he is my faith beacon. Hmm. But it would be a problem, and to me, it would not be right if I tried to snuff out the light of other beacons that are speaking to other people's souls and other people's faith and um, the voices that other people's ears are tuned into just to say, you can only see my light and my light is the only one that's real. And the voice that I listen to is the only one you should be hearing. I think that's ridiculous. Um, But as it concerns my personal life, I know this is heretic happy hour. Christ, I believe is real for me, real, unique, real, amazing. And the real son of God, if you want to put it like that. But that doesn't mean that everything that everyone else believes isn't true either. Y'all, I'm just realizing I don't have anyone to curse at in this episode. No, we ain't got nobody to cuss at him. Um, we gotta save it up for the next episode. Fuck exclusivists? Does that work? <laughs> Yay! There you it. go. That's it. That's right. Yes. I, I think Somebody you is getting fucked around here. <laughs> that's my that's my final thought. Maybe it's more like a praise Zeus kind of kind of ending instead. Yes. Hail Zeus. Uh, yes. Oh, that was a wonderful discussion, guys. I'm so I can I just say yeah. that I'm so glad to be with you all and spending this time recording with you. That was great. And I hope I hope that blesses our listeners as much as it blessed me. But listen, hmm. I want everybody to hop on over to heretichappyhour.com. There's some awesome stuff over there. You need to take that quiz and find out just what kind of heretic are you into, Wake. That's what you need to go over there and find out. Get you a t-shirt, get you a book, see what we're doing with the choir cast and all that good stuff. Go over to heretichappyhour.com right now and see what we got going on. That's right. And um, now that you've all sat through this, you are you are good heretics and uh, you need to, if you really, really want to seal the deal and just complete the cycle in the circle, you got to go to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour and put your money where your mouth is sign up and support this beautiful heresy, uh, become a supporter of the podcast. You will unlock, Oh my gosh, just so much heresy. It'll, it'll just, it'll make you so happy. You'll love it. And bonus, <laughs> bonus uh, stuff in there, extra interviews, extra, extra podcast episodes, And a lot of fun things too. So just go over there and check it out. And for all of you who already do support us, thank you. We love you and appreciate you so very much. So if you stick around long enough, we're going to have you worshiping Zeus, Diana, Aphrodite, (laughs) the whole thing. Burning incense, yes. Yes, all of it. um, And when you do, we want you to tell us in no uncertain terms in our free Facebook group for heretics like you, Heresy After Hours you're not a member of heresy after hours just come on and join you can put it in the search bar of facebook it'll it'll pop right up and then tell us the favorite god or goddess that you're worshiping now Mm. (laughs) wow (laughs) and if any of those gods and goddesses uh are speaking to you i am sure they are telling you to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you happen to listen to podcasts and please do take a moment to um give us a rating and uh do a review, uh, mostly because December and I want to catch up with the rest of the hosts. Um, so Absolutely. tell everybody how much you love us. Yes. Please do that. Oh, this is great. <laughs> well done, thy good and faithful heretics. <laughs> yes. Well done. Uh, how many more of these are we doing? I'm going to what ifs do we have in us? Yeah, we gotta... I am enjoying these. Today was I say what if oppression hadn't existed. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with my original suggestion. Okay. <laughs>